So, um, <laughs> we've got a really, really cool group of young adults right now, and uh, I guess they're already, they're always cool, um, but Karen and I really love them, and I think one thing I, that we love about them is that they, they like to, to be challenged, and um, we've gone through a couple of really difficult books. The book we're in right now, Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper, it's a real challenge. Um, you know, if you're kind of sloppy in your walk with Jesus Christ, if you read Crazy Love by Francis Chan and Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper, it'll sober you up really quick. And I think one reason that um, I think the Lord pushed me off the Gospel of John just for a couple of weeks is to, to talk about some of the things we're learning with the young adults about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to, to, to walk like a disciple. And of course, last week again, Philippians 1.21, to live as Christ, to die as gain. If you get that, you understand you are free to be a radical Christian. You are the most dangerous man or woman alive. God will use you to turn the world upside down. Okay, To live as Christ. If I live, it's about Him. If I die, I'm with Him. That basta, right? That's it. That's who I am. That's what I do. That's what I'm about. And the Lord has led me to this great passage, this uh, passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul short, sort of shows us what that looks like, right? He, he, he fleshes it out for us a little bit. One thing I love to say, uh, and I stole it from John Piper as I stole all the good things I say, um, human life is all about God. If you've been around, Chenny Lowe's heard me say it, a lot, right, Janelo? You, you've heard me say it a lot. Um, and so I'm just going to ask you to live as Christ, to die as gain. Sounds like Paul gets it. Human life is all about God. And what we hear him say today, right? <laughs> he says, I run. I run to win, right? I run to win. That's who I am. That's all I'm about, is I run to win. He gets it. Human life is all about God. He exists because of God. He's redeemed because of God. He lives and, move, uh, uh, lives and moves and has His being because of God. He gets it. It's all about Jesus. Every, every morning when He rolls out of bed, it's about Jesus. So, I guess I want to ask you, is that how it is with you and Jesus? This is how not to waste your life. Okay? Philippians 1.21 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is how not to waste your life according to the New Testament. So, the question for you and I would be as we get into the text in the next few minutes, is this me? Is this what my life looks like? Am I running to win? Is the aroma of my life to live as Christ, to die is gain. Jesus Christ is better than anything this life can give. And Jesus Christ is better than anything death can take. And that's what people see in me. Right? Why are you still here? You call yourself a Christian. Why are you still here? I probably say it every at least once a month. Why are you still here? To be a witness. 
It'd be very, we saw it last week, it'd be very much better to be with Jesus. It'd be very much better. He hasn't left you here simply to prosper and make money and have beautiful kids and have a great career and launch that product line, whatever. You may do a lot of those things, but preeminently you are here to witness. So I'll ask you this question. Are you His witness in the world? It's why you're here. It's what Paul's talking about tonight, right? It's what Paul is talking about. Are you in? Are you all in? Christianity is always about being all in. Jesus, He doesn't go for this lukewarm stuff. We know what He says in Revelation chapter 3. Christianity is about being all in. And Paul says tonight, I am all in. And so it's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for the young adults. We've been talking about this a lot. Um, and so I think it's good for us to take a Sunday or two and to think about it. I, uh, you guys know the screw tape letters, right? Everybody's familiar with the screw tape letters? I, I know I bring this up. It's one of my favorite illustrations. And so you know... The apprentice uh, demon, Wormwood, is uh, under the supervision of his mentor, Screwtape, Uncle Screwtape. And Worm, Wormwood's job is to keep a man from coming to God. That's his job. This is a, obviously a uh, satire that C.S. Lewis wrote. And so, that's his job. And there's some bad news in chapter 2. His human being... Wormwood's human being has made a profession of faith in Christ. But Wormwood says, don't worry about it. It's not really a big problem. We have a lot of those who make a profession of faith in Christ who are with us now. Right? So don't worry about it. What you have to do, and I'll, I'll uh, read you the quote. Screwtape counsels his uh, understudy, Wormwood, like this. Talk to your human about, being, about moderating in all things. If you can once get him to the point of thinking that religion is all very well up to a point, you can feel quite happy about his soul. I love this line. <laughs> a moderated religion is as good for us... These are, this is a demon talking to another demon, okay? A moderated religion is as good for us as no religion at all, and it's a lot more fun. The demons love religion. They love it. <laughs> they know it's not doing anybody any good. Religion doesn't do anybody any good. Right? The demons love religion. But I love the word here. Moderation. So let me ask you. Would your, would your uh, Christianity, would, would moderated, would it fit? Do you want, do you want to have a moderated Christianity? <laughs> I looked up the word. It means to have a modest, restrained, average, ordinary, diminished, mediocre kind of Christianity. So I was thinking about some other descriptive words that came to my mind. And uh, a moderated Christianity would be one that is conditional, you know, if it fits my plan, um, or qualified, or provisional, or contingent. So I'm asking you about your walk with Jesus, right? We're looking at the Apostle Paul. 
uh, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, but it's, it's the opportunity for you and I to examine ourselves and where we are with the Lord. So, what does it mean? What does it mean? It means Christ takes precedent over everything else in our life. You say, no, Jim, my family takes precedent. Well, if you actually read the red words, you realize, no, your family doesn't take precedent. And if you really love your family, Jesus will take precedent, and then you will know how to love your family. If Jesus doesn't take precedent, you don't know how to love your family. You don't really know how to be a good employee. You don't know how to be a good friend. Jesus takes precedent, beloved. A moderated Christianity is a Christianity of convenience. You know, if it fits my schedule, if it's not, if it's not too difficult, um, it doesn't constrict my lifestyle, it doesn't get in the way of my hobbies or how I surf the internet, moderated Christianity doesn't get in the way of, uh, of my work or the career I want to pursue, it doesn't inconvenience me in any way. As one theologian said, your average modern Christian ventures nothing, foregoes nothing, risks nothing, and sacrifices nothing. John Stott was a famous English theologian, and he said this, it's being involved enough to be respectable, but not enough to be uncomfortable. Or as Francis Chan says, it's being lukewarm and loving it. This is moderated Christianity. The demons love it! If you're a moderate Christian, they love it! Not only are you no threat to them, they're laughing at you. <laughs> it's amusing. A moderated Christian is amusing. It's amusing to Satan and his minions. So I was thinking about these things this week. And some of you know I had a procedure. This is what old people do. Old people have procedures. So I had a procedure, you know, and I was coming out of the gas or whatever it was they gave me. And, and I was thinking about this. This is what pastors do. You know, we have a very simple life. And um, the, the, I think a great word came into my mind. A disposable Christianity, right? It's just disposable. If I want to use it, I'll use it. If I don't, boom! It's gone. It's invisible. I don't want it today. I don't need it today. I've got my own agenda today. Disposable. Jesus Christ, His church, His word, His commandments are ultimately disposable to me. And I know we have a small church, but I've been doing this long enough to realize that there's probably at least one or more of you sitting out there that has a kind of... You haven't talked to yourself about this. You haven't used this word. But your Christianity is... It's moderated and it's disposable. And so... Tonight, the Lord calls us out of that. He calls us out of that, that we might walk like the Apostle Paul. One more illustration, then we'll get into the text. I love this. Jenny loves heard this too. Um, I love this old poem by Wilbur Reese, 20th century preacher. As he talks about these things, he says, he says, yeah, man, he says, I just want $3 worth of God. That's all I want. Give me three bucks. 
worth of God. And he goes on. I don't want to explode my soul or disturb my sleep. I just want ecstasy. I don't want transformation. I want warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I just want you to dispense $3 worth of God to me on my way through. Some fast food church will be good for me. Right? $3 worth of God. I'm an old man. I've seen this all my life. And I don't want that for you, beloved. I don't want that for you. That utilitarian view of I'll use God to get what I can get out of Him. I don't really love Him and I'm not going to obey Him. I know we don't talk like this, but our lives betray that we think like this. So the Lord's calling all of us in here. Me included. I'm always preaching to myself as I always tell you. Come and walk with Me. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Amen. If you get that, yeah. (laughs) You're never afraid again. Or at least if you are, you can slay it. You can slay that fear with Philippians 1.21. So, am I wrong to say that if we read our Bibles with only average comprehension skills, that we know that a moderated Christianity is an, is an utterly false view of biblical Christianity? Am I wrong to say that a moderated Christianity is actually, actually no Christianity? As the demons would say, it's just amusing to watch. Someone who pretends, am I wrong to say that Christ, His church, His word, and His commandments are not a matter of convenience for the true believer, but are a matter of consuming passion and priority. This is what the Apostle Paul says to us tonight. He uses the analogy. He's in Corinth. He's in Greece. He's talking. He's using the Olympic athlete as his analogy, right? So how many guys get to the gold medal stand? By being passive. Right? How many? The guys that get on the stand, and gals that get on the stand, they've given themselves away to be there. And Paul says, that's what Christianity is to me. It's a big deal for us, beloved. This is a huge passage. A huge passage for us. So, I referenced it last week, Philippians chapter 3. You might preach it next week. I don't know. But you know what Paul says. He says, man, I keep pressing on. He says, I reach forward to what lies ahead with Jesus. He says, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You remember what he told Timothy at the end of his ministry. He said, I have fought the good fight. And listen, all I'm saying to you is I love you, man. I want you to get to your deathbed and I want you to say I fought the good fight. I didn't coast coast through my life, right? I didn't compromise. I didn't moderate. I didn't give the demons a chuckle. I fought the good fight. So I'm calling you to fight the good fight, right? And if you're not fighting the good fight, you start fighting right now. You start fighting the good fight because, beloved, at the end of the day, this is what matters. Nothing else matters. Nothing is as important as this. Don't waste your life. 
as we've been studying with the young adults, Paul says, I'm all in. (laughs) So, I put the question to you as I get into the text. Are you? Are you all in with the God who created you and the God who has redeemed you? You heard the text read, so there's no point in rereading it. I'm going to pick up here and just start talking through the text. Paul's talking about two things that we need to understand. He's talking about the prize of the Christian life, which is what? What is the prize of the Christian life? God. God tells Abraham, I am your reward, right? God is our reward. It's not simply that we don't go to hell. If that's your view of salvation, you've not understood it. It's not simply I don't go to hell. It's that I get God forever, right? So Paul's talking about the prize which is Jesus Christ Himself. And He's also talking about how we live. And He's talking about discipleship. He's talking about the prize of Christianity and the lifestyle of Christianity. And that's what we see in the text. Verse 23, Paul says, I do all things... Why does he do all things? So I can build my portfolio. Oh, no, so I can please my wife. And spoil my kids. No, what does he say? I do all things for the gospel. That's supposed to be you, and that's supposed to be me. You say, well, Paul was Paul, man. Paul was an apostle. Paul was a a missionary. Paul was a preacher. You are too. Don't underestimate what God wants to do in you. Don't underestimate what God will do in you. If you appropriate Philippians 1.21 and you run like Paul, (laughs) there's no telling what God will do with you. There's no telling how much eternal fruit there will be. Um, Yeah, you'll hear the well done, good and faithful servant that we talked about last week, right? Well done. Good and faithful servant. I love how Eugene Peterson, the guy that paraphrased the Message Bible, paraphrases that verse 23. He says, hey man, he says, I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Are you in on it? Are you in on it? Are you loving Him and are you proclaiming Him? Loving Him, proclaiming Him. Christianity is really simple. I love Him, I proclaim Him. In my words and in my deeds. I love Him, I proclaim Him. It's really simple. Christianity is really, really simple. So, Paul is saying, as he said to Timothy, take heed to yourself and to your teaching, hold fast to that, for by doing, uh, by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. He's not saying to Timothy, and Paul's not talking about himself in this way, that he has to earn his salvation. That's antithetical to what the Bible is talking about. He's simply saying that the way I live declares my discipleship. The way I live declares who I am. You know, I told you last week, everybody already knows what you believe. They see it in your life. It's evident. It's in your speech. It's in your deeds. It's in your hobbies. It's in your habits. 
Everybody already knows who's observing your life what you really believe and what you really love. You know? <laughs> you can't fool God and you can't fool anybody else. But Paul is saying, you know, the way I like to say it is, discipleship is salvation and salvation is discipleship. Paul's not earning his salvation in the way he's running. He's running this way because he's saved. Right? He runs this way not to earn salvation. He runs this way to give evidence of salvation. This is a huge distinction that I think probably most of you clearly understand. Paul says, if I don't live it, I don't have it. It's what the New Testament is all about. If you don't live it, you don't have it. And life's too short, beloved. I know the world's telling you all kinds of garbage. And I know the world's trying... I, I know screw tape and wormwood at work in your life. Right? Just moderate, man. Moderate. Just moderate. Jim's a nut. He's an old man. He's a nut. He needs to go back to Arkansas. Right? And get therapy. Listen, I'm a lot closer than you are. And I can't actually... Actually, I can't wait to get to the finish. I can't wait to get to the finish. Right? Run. Run, beloved. Run. Run for the prize. <laughs> you know? Run to win. You know, Christianity is not a, a meander. Christianity is an all-out sprint. makes me think of, you know, James chapter 2. We, we, we know what that great text says. Faith without works is what? Just sh shut it down, man. Faith without works is dead. It's worthless. It's satanic. Satan believes. And I always loved uh, um, the paraphrase, the message paraphrase. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? And Paul is saying to you and to me tonight, no more nonsense. Run. 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 So we don't become disciples. We don't have to become disciples to be saved. We have to become the disciples because we are saved. There's all these verbs in the, in the New Testament, in the Gospel, right? Strive to enter by the narrow door. Labor for the food that endures. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Redeem the time. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Christianity is anything but passive, beloved. It's anything but passive. This is what Christianity looks like. I want to read just a couple of quotes to you from John Piper. Uh, on this text, I love what he says here. Listen, he's, he's, he's talking about why Paul is running. And he, he's talking about the, the, the net essence of why Paul is running. Listen, Paul runs and fights the way he does, not because he doesn't have Jesus, but precisely because he does have Jesus. Right? And he intends to show that to the world. And his kids, and his wife, and, his hus and her husband. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? He's going to show it to everybody in his orbit. Piper continues. This life is a proving ground for whether faith is dead or it's alive. You can know. You can look at your life. My faith is actually alive or it's not. Piper continues. A proving ground of who we are, whom we trust, and whom we cherish. He 
continues. Piper closes. The, rate, the, the, the race of life has eternal consequences, not because grace is nullified by the way we, we run, but because grace is verified by the way we run. We run to obtain eternal life because we have already been obtained for eternal life on the basis of the work of God. I heard him say one time, uh, John Piper, grace will not cause you to sit down, it will cause you to run. You know, you run into some professed Christians and they say, well, I got grace. So, you know, they're like a dead fish floating down the stream. They think grace gives them license to waste their life. <laughs> Piper saying, if you've got real grace, you're not going to sit down. You will not sit down. You will be compelled by the fact that God has saved you by His grace. As I study this, and I think, I don't know why Josh came into my mind, but I don't know if Josh was here six years ago. How long have you been here, man? Okay. I think you just came into the church when I was preaching through 1 Peter. And, um, and I just thought of 1 Peter, you know. I just want to give you the, the, the cliff notes on chapter 1 of 1 Peter. God says this, and you can check me on this, right? You can go check me uh, at your leisure. The true believer will obtain eternal life because we have been obtained for eternal life. And listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, just a real quick summary. Verse 1, God says, I've chosen you. Verse 2, I've redeemed you by, by blood. Verse 3, I sanctified you with my spirit. Uh, verse 3, I caused you to be born again. Verse 4, I've prepared an imperishable inheritance for you. Verse 5, I'm protecting you with my omnipotent power. Uh, verse 6 and 7, I'm perfecting your faith through every trial. And verse 8 and 9, I am saving your soul. This is what Paul's talking about, right? The true believer will obtain eternal life because he has been obtained for it. This is, what, this is the, some of the confusing language. I think it's confusing for some people in the text here. This is what Paul is talking about. And back to Philippians chapter 3. Listen to what he says. Not that I have already laid hold of it or have become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I have been laid hold of. Okay? When you're running, that's evidence that you've been laid hold of. Right? The real believer doesn't sit and do nothing with grace. A real believer will take that grace and out of awe and humility will make much of Jesus Christ till He dies. It's just how... It's just how grace affects you. It's just how biblical grace affects you. So, you know this dangerous fallacy that floats around in modern Christendom. Well, I, I prayed the prayer. I got baptized. I joined the church. I attend semi-regularly. Um, people think that's what Christianity is. <laughs> you can't find that in the Bible. That's not Christianity. We know the ultimate definition of Christianity, John 17, 3, that they may know Me. John 10, that they hear My voice and they... What? What do the sheep do? They hear My voice and follow Me. It's a dangerous fallacy that's floating around in the modern church that you can manipulate God with a prayer and an ordinance. If it's not real, 
if it's just moderated. He's not interested in moderated. God's not interested in that. Verse 24, Paul says, I don't just run. I run to win. (laughs) So, I want to ask you to do this exercise. This week, I want you to figure out what it looks like in your life to actually run to win as a Christian. I'm not talking about your career success. And there'll be an exam next week. Okay? What does it look like in your life? What would it look like in your life? You write down, and I know probably most of you won't do this, uh, but if you have any respect at all for the pastor, um, and those, who, those of you who know me best have no respect for me, but write down five things. This is what it would look like in my life if I'm going to run to win. Five things. Might be an interesting exercise. So, real Christians are not spectators. We are spiritual athletes, right? This is the analogy that Paul is making. I love uh, Oswald Chambers, uh, famous minister, English minister back in the 20th century, I think. I love this. I always love this quote. And this is the title of the sermon. Plucky Christians. Who knows what the word pluck means? Surely, Josh, you know what that means. You can always count on the Aussie, man. The Aussies always come through. Plucky! Are you plucky? Listen to what he says. Listen to the way Oswald Chambers says it. May God not find the wine in us. W-H-I-N-E. Okay? Are you a whiner? Let God not find the wine in us anymore, but may He find us full of spiritual pluck and athleticism, ready to face anything He brings. Pluck. Nerve, guts, courage, resolve, backbone, fortitude, heart, spirit, spunk. No wine, just pluck. It's what God's calling you and me to tonight. Okay? No more whining out there. Just spiritual pluck and athleticism. Okay? Spiritual pluck. This is what Paul is saying. He said, and you know the price that Paul paid. He paid an immense price. How many times was he beaten? You guys know the, the litany. He paid a huge price. And I say this all the time. Ratio will remember this. We've talked about it, I think. There are two tragedies in the world, at least. But the two foremost tragedies are, do you remember? You don't remember. Okay, it's okay. Sorry to put the pressure on you, man. God is profaned and men are perishing. Okay? The born-again believer has the solution. Right? I now know how to live in such a way that I do not profane my Creator. And, you know, as a born-again believer, I now understand what my call is to be His witness that those around me who would repent and believe would not perish. And Paul sold out to this, not to profane my God and not to let people around me who would repent and believe perish. This is the most important thing you have to do today. 
and for the rest of your life. Don't get confused. It's not about your family and your career. Yes, those are important issues, but the preeminent issue is learning to run to win. For as we talked about last week, you will soon give an account. So God doesn't save us to be spectators. He saves us to run and to win. Again, we know that the Olympic Games began in Greece. And uh, when Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthians, they've been going on for 800 years. And we know the price you have to pay, as I alluded to earlier, to be an Olympic athlete. There's discipline, there's focus, there's dedication, there's self-denial, there's pain, there's suffering, there's loss. If you want to run in such a way as to win, you can't, there's no, no room. You, you talk to an Olympic athlete. <laughs> we, we had one in the church once. Um, there's no moderation. None. Okay? There's no moderation. There is nothing is conditional, nothing is contingent, nothing is disposable. I, I see my goal and, and I'm running to the goal. It's the analogy that Paul is using. The Olympic athlete maximizes his performance, his or her performance. So the question for you and I in this room tonight, are you maximizing your Christian performance? <laughs> Is it imp that important to you? Or again, is it conditional? Is it disposable? Is it somewhere down here? Maybe number five. As, to, as opposed to what the Apostle Paul has been saying to us. That Jesus should be first in our lives. So how much, do those gold, how much are those gold medals worth that they competed for in South Korea? Anybody know? These guys, they give their whole life for this from age, some of them from age five on. They give their whole life for it. How much is the gold medal worth? Anybody know? Very close. Did you just Google it? No. Oh. So you're like a trivia person, right? <laughs> you're good at trivia. I think it's actually 577 U.S. dollars. Um, so... Yeah, sounds about right. Their whole life? 577 U.S. dollars. And Paul mentions that. The reef that is perishable. But what is our goal? Beloved, what is, what is our goal? To be with God. To be a good steward before God to give an accounting of all that He has given us and uh, blessed us with, and to hear those words, well done. Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Father. Actually, I think the word is Master. Enter into the joy of your Master. That's my goal. I hope it's your goal. <laughs> right? I hope that it's your goal as well. For we shall enter into the presence of God the fullness of joy for in His right hand there are pleasures forever. 
Couldn't help but think of Romans 8. For God who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how will He not also freely give us all things? Luke chapter 12, Your Father has chosen gladly to give you every good thing. Beloved, don't get distracted. Don't be deceived. Don't chase the world. It will all turn to ashes. The world is under judgment. It will all burn up. You don't get to keep any of it. Store up treasures in heaven as Jesus says. Verse 27, let's just finish. Um, I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. What is Paul talking about here? Being disqualified. Can a genuine Christian uh, be disqualified from eternal life in heaven? No, of course not. But Paul is accentuating the point that he made earlier in the text about pressing on. And in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Paul says, Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So, the genuine Christian is never lackadaisical about his walk with the Lord. This is what Paul is saying. Your life, your life will give testimony, going back to what we said earlier, of who you love and who you belong to. It's, it's in your life. It's just in your life. The lackadaisical professing Christian who is by his very attitude revealing that he has not truly committed himself to Jesus Christ. If you have salvation in Jesus Christ, you cannot lose it by how you live your life. But by how you live your life, you reveal if you truly have salvation in Jesus Christ. This is the clear teaching of the New Testament. We're certainly not saved by works. But works reveal who we are. John Piper again. The race of life has eternal consequences not because grace is nullified by the way we run, but because grace is verified by the, by the way we run. And if you know Him tonight, you understand about running. And you understand about, I can't sit down on this awesome God. What's the payoff? What's the payoff? For the, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will. I tell you this, what is it, Channel? I tell you this all the time. <laughs> John 14, 21. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I'll disclose myself to you. This is why Christians. This is why Christians can be martyred singing praises to God. The disclosure is always there. God always discloses Himself. God is our reward. God is our satisfaction. God is our treasure. So, Paul's confidence is not in himself. It's in the fact that he has been laid hold of by God and he can see God's work in him. You know, what's the great text? Philippians 2 something. Um, work out your salvation with, with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. What does the true believer do? The true believer works out what God has worked in. If God has worked in, if John 3 has happened, if the born again thing has happened, if God has worked in, you will be working out what God has worked in. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. 
If God is at work in you, oh, guess what? You're going to know it. And everybody around you will know it. There's no such thing as a secret agent Christian. There's no such thing. It's an oxymoron. It is an oxymoron. So I close with this. You guys know the great text. Um, 2 Corinthians 13.5 Paul says, this is the most loving thing a pastor or an evangelist can say to you. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves? Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? It'll be in your life, beloved. Paul says, I believe it. And Paul runs it. So if you have questions about the text, please, I'm at the other end of the email. You can call me. We can get together. We can talk. I just want you to understand. We are obtaining what we've been obtained for. We are running. I want to say it one more time and I'm done. Biblical grace will not cause you to sit down. Quite the opposite. If you are a recipient of the grace of God through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, you will not be sitting down. You will be running. You will be running. This is the Word of God. Let's pray together. Lord, you set us free to run. We were dead. We were blind. Now we live. Now we see. Now we eat the meat and the bread and the drink. We partake of the power of Jesus Christ and we can run. We can win. So Father, I pray if there are any of us in this room professing to know and love You, and if we have grown lazy and undisciplined in our Christian faith, Lord, I pray, I pray that Your Spirit would convict us and we would turn and run. That we would order our life in such a way that we would come under the discipline of the Word and under the discipline of the Spirit. And we would run. For this life is short. In a few moments, we will be with You. We are a vapor upon the earth. So Lord, I pray that we feel the sense of urgency here. That none of us would be tempted to moderate our Christianity, but that we would in fact be radical followers and lovers of Jesus. Help us, Father, for we are all weak and frail in this regard. Come to us. Teach us obedience. Teach us repentance. Father, we are hungry to grow and to be men and women of God. We are hungry to be Your soldiers of light in the world. Help us, Father, we pray. Help us, we pray. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, the name before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, the name of Jesus, 
we pray in His name. Amen. Okay, shall, shall I? Shall I go ahead? Okay, I'll go ahead. I'll dismiss you with a uh, miscommunication on my, my, my part, my fault. Let's, uh, let's stand and I'll do a, a benediction and we'll be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. Beloved, go run. Go run in the world. The world wants to see the world needs to see you run. God wants to see you run. Your brothers and sisters want to see you run. And the world needs to see you run. You go run. You go make much of Jesus this week. You go, you go smell like God in the world this week. Have a great one. God bless. Hope to see you next time.